Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the sixth day of March 2015. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, How It Works. And we are on page 55. And we will be beginning our reading with the first full paragraph, Half Measures Availed Us Nothing. And we'll be going through the first three steps. And our today's readers are 12 Steps, Lois M., 12 Traditions, Bev F., and then Text Readers, Amy G., Anita J., and Deanna B. Our share code, our share ID for yesterday, Thursday, the 5th of March, is 7373. 7373. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Lois M. to read the 12 steps, please. Thank you, Monica. Uh, Good morning, everyone. This is Lois M. in Massachusetts. Uh, The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted that we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. At 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to 
carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lois M. I will now ask Bev F. to read the 12 traditions. Star one to unmute, Bev. Good morning, Mom. I'm Bev F. and here are the 12 traditions. When our common welfare should come first, personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name Ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Bev F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, How It Works. We are on page 59. And our first reader, Amy G., will be reading, uh, starting the first full paragraph, Half Measures Availed Us Nothing, through step three as we understood him. And the first paragraph will be for context only. And so I will ask Amy G. to begin reading, please. 
Good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Wow. Well, just for context, half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We talked about this yesterday. Where we, you know, was I going to decide that I was powerless over food? Was I going to decide to work this step? Was I going to believe in a power greater than myself? Because clearly power, lack of power was my dilemma. I couldn't stop shoving food down my throat no matter what. So I stood at this turning point and I said, okay, well, I'm going to take these steps. And it's scary. I know as a newcomer, I'm not sure I know of one newcomer that takes a look at these steps and doesn't think that they're overwhelming. But it is a wee program. And as soon as I was willing to take that step forward into working these steps, it became a we program. And here we are at step one. We admitted we are powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. You know, I, I never forget hearing this in the program and say that someone said, I am powerless over the food, but I am not powerless over my decision to choose. To choose to do what? To surrender. To surrender to my powerlessness over the alcohol it's the, uh, and the food. I mean, that's the foundational step. If I don't admit I'm powerless, if I don't say that I have a problem, well, I'm certainly not going to try and fix it. And I was absolutely and completely, half measures availed me nothing. I tried everything within my power, and I clearly was beaten by this disease. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Well, we just spent the prior chapter talking about this idea of a belief in a higher power, whatever that might be. It says here, if we go back to page 50, here are thousands of men and women, wordly indeed, that flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and do certain simple things, there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. And for me, this idea, I point out, restores to sanity. I didn't need to be restored to freedom from the allergy. I needed to be restored from the merciless mental obsession that constantly, for insane reason or no reason at all, kept giving me this idea that taking that bite of food was the best idea that I had all day. I had to understand that this obsession would bring me back to the food, that my thinking would bring me back to the food every time. And again, a sick mind can't heal a sick mind. So I was powerless. I needed a power greater than myself. Whether it was God, Jesus, or Buddha, or the universal vibes of a tree, as long as it wasn't me, and it was greater than me. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And in the little parentheses here on the side of the page, I have self-will has to go. If I was willing to admit powerless and believe that God either was or wasn't, and I was going to believe in a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity, free me from this mental obsession, I had to turn my will and my life over, my self-will, my pride, my ego, any old ideas that I thought 
would work. I had to let them go. Remember, it says that these steps in this paragraph, how it works in this chapter, rather, at some of these we balked, we thought we could find an easier, softer way. We could not. We beg of you to be fearless and thorough. I had to look at the idea that my way of living my life, my self-will, my self-centeredness was killing me, and I had to be willing to step forward. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Okay. Would anyone else like to comment on the second paragraph here? Charles H. Charles. Charles. Carol. Anybody else? Okay. Let's start with that to begin with. Charles, you're up, and then Carol G. Good morning, Monica. Thank you for your services. Charles H., a recovered visionary in Miami, Florida, for this morning. Thank you for um, all doing service. Half measures avail us nothing. Half measures avail me nothing. You know how much times I've been at this turning point? Should I, shouldn't I? Yo, let me do it. Nobody ain't going to know. But, I, you know, just for today, I know. Um, <laughs> like, I want to focus on step three, right? First of all, like, I, I, just for today, just for me, I live in 10, 11, 12, and 1. And if I get a bright idea, I'll be face down again, quick, fast, in a hurry. Um, step three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as I understand him. Like, you know, on page 63, I think it's 63 or 64, it says we will be born again. Like, that's, that's good news. That's good news. I will be born again. So if I'm born again, certain things. And my motto, and I hope I ain't kicking nobody's stuff up, is sacrifice and purge. Like, these first three steps, it, you know, I'm sacrificing the things in my body that I, and my body, when I say my body, my heart, my mind, and my soul, to get me ready to get this work in, four through nine, and to live in 10, 11, 12, and one every single day. You know, sacrificing, you know, it, it's, it's a good thing for me, right? Because, like, um, I love, I, can I be, I love binge food. I love binge food, right? But I'm born again. So I can love it from a distance. I can love it so much that I give it up. My self-will, my ego, my pride, my fear, those things had to be burned up. And they're burned up every single, I die every day. Every day I die. And I'm reborn again in the morning. You know, I'm reborn again in the morning. I believe in that power. That power is powerful. That power ain't me. And I believe in the program of recovery one day at a time. And, you know, going over it over and over and over again never gets dull because, you know, that gratitude that, you know, I can just, first of all, you know, I pray for all those that's in the Northeast right now. I live in the Northeast and, you know, I'm out here now and, in pretty Miami, and even though I'm going to a funeral, I'm with my family again, because you know what, it's so important to be with family, and you know, it's so important for me to be with you guys, because you guys are my family as well, so we trudge this road together, like page 164 says, and you know what, I need to transmit every day so I can have something to give stuff, so with that in my past, thank you guys, and God bless you guys, thank you. Thank you, Charles. And Carol G., you're up. Good morning, Vision for You. It's Carol G., recovered in England. Thank you. Um, of course, the word suggested uh, was the thing that I'm going to pick up on. Um, but um, 
for me, How It Works is a wonderful chapter, and it's the show and tell of all those amazing ingredients that are just going to go into this recipe of change. Um, you know, they're the kind of laid out in a linear fashion, uh, like a straight line on a road map, you know, to get from here, insane, to here, sane, um, in 12 easy moves. Um, and I know we've only read the first three, and I'll, I'll focus on that. Um, so when I look back now um, on my journey, actually, this really is the easier, softer way. It really is, folks. Um, and I have to laugh at, at, at Bill Wilson. God love him. Um, suggested. I know why he did this, but... For me, suggested, and I did look it up in the dictionary the other day, um, is, is obviously to consider something. And I've been considering for 13 years um, what it is I ought to be doing next. Um, when actually, for me, what I always put in there is that I must do this. It's an obligatory, it's compulsory. There's not an option. For somebody as twisted in my thinking as I am, I have to, I, I just have to follow this path, these steps that they've taken. And I have to walk through because, and I did choose to walk through because there was a tsunami building of compulsion when I came to Vision for You. I could feel it. I saw the bottom coming up. It was about to hit me. I was holding it back with chewing gum and the dam was about to break. And finally, I just made this decision that we're all talking about. This is my part. This is, I mean, it's all about God, of course, but I have to build this road to God. And I've always joined the queue to watch the DVD about meeting God instead of actually joining the queue to actually meet God. And this time with Vision for You, I'm so grateful I can actually announce I joined the queue to meet God. I worked through these steps. I made that decision. I said, this is the way I want my life to change. It happened. And all it takes is a decision. I didn't have to spend months thinking about it. It was just a decision. Consider that, folks. It's just a decision. There is a turning point here. I hope you find yours today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Carol. G. would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Julie, Larry. Judith Fowler. Judith. Vasa. Vasa. All right, let's start with that. Julie R., and then Larry K., and then Judith R., and then Vasa. Julie, you're up, and then Larry. Hi. Thank you, Monica. Um, this is Julie R., recovered in California. And, you know, the sentence that I want to focus on is, half measures availed us nothing. I always thought that if I put in 20%, I'll get 20%. If I put in 80%, I'll get 80%. I mean, that's how it is in other things. But... It took me a long time to learn that I've got to be 100% on my program of recovery. I need to, my food has got to be 100% clean. My behaviors, I have to strive for that perfect idea because, you know, it says that step one is the one we do for perfection. I have to do the best that I can every day, not just get by. It doesn't work like that. And every time it kicks my butt. And I love the the original manuscript that Bill wrote and then they had to tweak it because it says half measures will avail you nothing. You stand at the turning point. Throw yourself under his protection and care. Throw. That means it's like, here I am. Take me. I can't do this anymore. And through working this program, through these suggested steps, which, you know, are that kind of suggestion, you better do it or you're going to die, um, I have been able to... Um, recover one day at a time but I have to 
abandon myself. I cannot have Julian there. I can't have that I, I, I. It's God, God, God. So um, this is phenomenal. And I love my life now, even though I've got a lot of drama, a lot of huge decisions. It doesn't matter. I get up every morning. I plan my food. I get on the day. I call my sponsor. I work with sponsees. It's just this is what I do so that I could get that end result living, living life and not eating over it or not acting inappropriately and whatnot. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Julie R. Larry Kay, you're up, and then it'll be Judith R. Good morning, uh, Monica. Thanks so much for your service. Uh, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, so the, um, you know, the, the steps, the first three steps, you know, I've heard it said they are um, designed uh, to help us get right with with God or or maybe it would resonate more if I said, you know, get right with the higher power of your own understanding. Um, and, uh, and, and that's, that's very, very necessary. You know, reflecting on this, that's, um, extraordinarily, um, important because one of the challenges for me was if, if I wasn't getting right with, the higher power of my own understanding. Remember, this is a spiritual program. And if I wasn't going to get right with my higher power in, in recognizing that I was powerless, that that was, you know, my problem was the powerless nature, the twofold nature of this disease, that I was powerless over that, and that I needed to tap into the power source. I didn't need just an acknowledgement that there maybe was a power source. I needed access. I never had access before. And so then in the third step, in, in turning our will and our life over to the care of God of our own understanding, what happens is, is then there's a next. You know, there's a next. If we never get right with the higher power of our own understanding, there's no next. What is next? Next is taking the action steps. Why in the world would I take these action steps, which are simple but, uh, but, but very, very challenging to get through? Why would I do that? Why would I subject myself to an inventory, uh, a moral inventory, looking at harms done to others and all my, you know, my resentments and my fears and so forth? Why would I ever do that? That's way beyond me to do that. And I mean to sustain that effort if I don't have a foundation stone where I'm getting right with God, then, and only then, can I do the next. Um, You might dabble in the next. I certainly did. Um, But that availed me nothing. Nothing in terms of the change. It's not nothing like, oh, there's no, you know, no positive. You don't meet some nice people in fellowship. Sure, that's a positive but it avails me nothing in terms of the change that is absolutely necessary to be able to have that spiritual transformation in which the obsession will be removed. We have to change. And God, the higher power of my own understanding, is what effectuated or brought about that change. I didn't bring it about. I just chopped my wood, carried my buckets of water. That's all that was required of me. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry Kay. Judith R., you're up, and then it'll be Vasa. 
Thank you, Monica. This is Judith R. Recovered in Vermont. Um, I had a realization at my face-to-face meeting this week that I had made step three into the step. I had sort of made it into the final step. Into It, would, it became my step 12. Because I was smart. I knew when I came in that God was the most important thing in my life because God had reached out to me even before I found program because God knew I wasn't going to make it without him. So so step three became the step for me. And, and I now, because of this meeting, have realized that step three is a springboard to step four. I mean, I thought if I just said the step three prayer every day that I was good to go. And so that made it easy to skip 4 through 12 because, after all, I was doing step 3. So now I understand making that decision to turn over my will, my will to do step 4, made a decision to turn over my life, to take my life and to look at it and say, where was I selfish? Where was I resentful? Where was I afraid? So... I still love step three, and I think it's a pivotal step, but now I understand it in the context of all 12. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Judith R. And Vasa, you're up. Thank you, Monica, for your service. Uh, and I'm Vasa, or Recover Compulsive, calling from Florida. Boy, I had no clue when I came to this program, you know. Adi, I had no clue. I just knew... I could not stop eating. I didn't know they call it the disease, that, you know, they call it eating disorder or compulsive overeating. I just had no, I had no clue. I just could not stop eating. So I'm just so grateful that, uh, you know, I was brought into the, into Overeaters Anonymous and half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked for protection and care. We complete abandon. And, uh, and that's where I was. And for me, I remember if I continued going the way I was going, I was just going to die. So, you know, I had the gift of desperation, but I didn't see it, it was as a gift. I saw it as a torture to, you know, to give, my, to, to give up my alcoholic foods, you know. But it saved my life by doing that. But anyways, the first three steps for me, I remember hearing are the most important steps for me, you know, my Sponsor kept on reassuring me. Are you sure you admit your powers over the food? Are you willing to find a power greater than yourself? And are you ready to make that decision? And I really was so willing. I, I was just so willing and so ready because um, it was it's a progressive disease. And I heard that, you know, if I didn't come to OA, I, it was progressive because there was no way I could stop anymore. Previously, I could at times here and there, but I could never keep it stopped. So I really was so, so ready to surrender to God. And I remember saying, well, I don't care who does it for me as long as I don't have to do it by myself, you know. And she said, at that point, you have to surrender to God and, and surrender to the program, go to meetings, you know, just do what this, the, the solution is right here and you have to do it. And believe me, my husband was not happy. My children were not happy. But somehow I knew God was there. He was going to guide me, and he was more powerful than my husband, 
and anybody else. I knew I needed to go. And I've been getting that protection, you know, with everything gradually, with the, you know, with the program and everything in my life, you know. So, um, and I was afraid going to the fourth step, but God gave me that power and the strength to do that too. So thank you for letting me share my path. Thank you, Vasa. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph or on these first three steps here? Melissa. Anybody else? Okay, Melissa, you're up. Wow, that never happens. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great surprise. Um, I'm Melissa, a recovered compulsive overeater from New York, and. you know, You're I, sounding I, very dis, oh, very distant, geez. Melissa. Can you hear me now? That's much better. Thank you. Okay. So um, I'm Melissa, a compulsive overeater from New York. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about uh, step one and how, although I'd heard it many, many times, um, it really wasn't until it really got that point driven home to me um, through a lot of suffering that I was powerless to this thing. I kept hanging on for a long time to the belief that somewhere I was going to regain control, that somehow I was going to lose enough weight, I was going to gain enough um, nutritional knowledge or self-knowledge that um, I wasn't really going to be powerless forever. Um, and, uh, you know, and that was like my, that was my biggest weakness because, um, that's what allowed the disease to whisper to me and I would believe it, you know, I would tweak something because I really didn't think I was being bound by this thing yet. And, um, you know, and I'm thinking now about some things that I'm, that I'm working with, that I'm, that I'm trying to help, with um, sponsoring and, um, and I have to hold on to um, the value of suffering, that, that my suffering has tremendous value in my recovery. And who am I to get in the way of anyone else's suffering and possible recovery? I can share the message. Um, I can't water it down. But if you're not completely sure that you're powerless to this thing, then, you know, they say go out and experiment some more. And um and I did have to share this with someone that I'm sponsoring recently because she's focused on um, that she doesn't want to give up certain foods. And, you know, I'm not going to certainly tell anybody what their alcoholic foods are, but you know it for yourself. And I encouraged her to, if she's not sure, try some controlled eating, you know. And um, and now I haven't heard from her. So, of course, I'm feeling, um, you know, to jump in here and I am a recovered compulsive overeater so here we are steps one two and three and I was told that the first three steps are how we come to trust God and how does that come about uh, that we're leaning that way anyway is because number one 
we admitted, I had to admit, I was powerless over alcohol, that my life had become unmanageable. And what did that mean to me for step one? It meant I was powerless over alcohol bodily in that I had an allergy that I was powerless over, but I could put down foods. Um, Mentally, that I had this obsession of the mind that I was totally powerless over. And I needed a power greater than my mind because my thinking wasn't working to overrule that. And then had my life had become unmanageable. What does what did that mean? Well that's the bedevilments on fifty two. And to boil it down, I heard this one day and I love it. The bedevilments to me is I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. When I realized that, that was total powerlessness to me and it was like, Okay, I'm in the corner here. If I'm powerless and my way hasn't worked, I need some type of a power that's greater than me. So step two, conclusion number two. And then um, all I have to be you know, willing to believe that there's some power greater than me. And I saw that in other people. I heard it in other people. It's being told to us here in this big book. There is such a thing and you can tap into it. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm ready. Pain has brought me here. And number three, I'm making a decision. I'm making a decision to turn my will, to take action, to turn my thinking. You know, my, my nice little set-aside prayer, help me, God, to change my thinking, to allow other ideas to come in, and our lives over to the care of God. Now, see, it doesn't say control there of God, care of God. I like that. Okay, I'll give this a shot. And, and I'm going to, you know, I'm making a decision here to continue through working the rest of the steps. Up above it said suggested as a program of recovery. You know what? It's suggested you wear a parachute if you're going to jump out of a plane. Suggested. This is a polite command being given to us by the recovered people. And those who have gone through this process and are recovered know that this is more than just a suggestion. But only you can decide that. And with that, I pass. And let's move on to the next uh, steps that we are going to read. And Anita J., would you read for us, please? Yes, thank you. You can hear me, correct? Yes, I can. Okay, this is Anita J., a recovered compulsive reader living in Massachusetts. And grateful to be here to give service. Number four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Well, I know that this is the working part of this, and um, I just want to say if there are any newcomers, I don't think it's a coincidence you're listening. I think that this has been a gift for you folks as it was for me in January of last year when I got a sponsor who I had no idea was doing vision and had recovered. That 
something greater than myself led me to her because she wasn't my first choice. And uh, here I am today with the privilege of being able to share. And um, I had never heard in any meeting since I walked through the doors in 1978 that we could recover. So they say people recover up to the, they, they don't say recover, but people can only give what they've got themselves. And this program and these steps, as laid out the way we're, do, we're doing it here, got me to a feeling of recovered. And I found it when I got through the middle of step nine, which was last July, when I felt I had done a giant turnaround on the whole world. Do you get that? That is the most incredible feeling. And it was not doing one, two, three, eight, nine. It was doing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Fearless. Well, I never had said fearless about myself. Fear, yes. Fearless, no. Cautious, cautious. I used to think uh, I was trying to get recovery with one foot on the brakes. That that got me something. Believe me, I wasn't the same human being that was that entered in '78. But I wasn't recovered. I had no idea. I and I had no idea how much service I really wanted to give. It's it's like um, I want to tell you what my husband said to me. Sometime in the last few months, he said, Anita, well, he didn't call me that, but whatever he called me, he goes, you have reinvented yourself. And I smiled, but you know that I am not the author or creator of this reinvention. It was following this this program every day. I've done the big book before. It took me three years. This time, it took me four months to feel recovered. That's a miracle, but it's a miracle that takes work. Time. You just don't read these. And with that, thank you, folks. I pass. Thank you, Anita. And who would like to share on steps four through nine here? Dua. Did I hear do? Do do L? Okay, do L. Sarah W. Anybody else? Okay, let's start with that then. Do L. Do L. And then Sarah W. Go ahead, do. Good morning. This is Do L. Recover compulsive reader from New York. I really love these um, steps because they really help to reinforce, you know, what I'm trying to do. And from the very start, it says we ask his protection and care with complete abandon and what these steps really symbolize for me is all part of removing the self and letting God step in. And it's all about surrender. And, you know, when I take step four, it's about surrendering my character defects to God and really looking at and and really honing in on what is the problem. You know, first I have to identify the problem and then, you know, get into the solution and, you know, and that's what, what it says here, searching fearless moral inventory of ourselves, and we put it down on paper, and we look at the things that, you know, that kept us blocked from God. And then the next step is about admitting to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs, and 
I recall when I did this step, uh, I, I said, well, God knows everything, so I don't have to admit it to him. I don't have to confess it to him because he already knows everything. And I definitely don't want to talk to another human being about it because then I'll be called on my stuff. And, you know, and what do I have to admit to myself, you know? And, and that step was really important because it was breaking the barriers of what the blockage was with God, with myself and with other people and being totally honest. Um, and that really helped me to, to see all that. And then step six was about removing the character defects. And it wasn't about how I thought those character defects were, were to be removed, but how God was going to remove them. And then just humbly submitting myself again, surrendering myself, surrendering com with complete abandonment to his will. And then steps eight and nine was getting a right relationship with others by writing them down and making direct amends wherever possible, except when to do so would injure someone else. And, you know, it took a lot of humility to do that, you know, to go to other people and say, you know, I've been wrong. <laughs> I've been wrong all along, and, and I've made mistakes, and I'm taking responsibility for those mistakes today, and I would like to make the, the right, right the wrongs that I did. And uh, that, that was a really huge step. That was where... You know, I was stepping into that, uh, you know, when it says the bridge to shore, because I was stepping into a new way of doing things and thinking and behaving and acting and being with others. And I'm just so grateful to God that, you know, he's giving me these steps to see how I can, I can um, be restored to the same way of thinking, the same way of eating, and the same way of doing things. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Duel. Sarah W., you're up. Good morning, a vision for you. Good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service. This is Sarah W., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And, you know, the fourth through the ninth step kind of for me is, you know, where the rubber meets the road. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think, divine intervention the way Bill and these other people were able to put this together. You know, I don't think we as such broken people could have walked into a four through nine without having a, a power greater than ourselves to walk through it with. And so, you know, for me, that is just incredibly powerful. You know, we, we have this higher power that we find because we realize our powerlessness in the first step. When we walk in the door, we realize, obviously, we couldn't do it ourselves because we've come to this place where we go, I need something else. And, you know, finding this power greater than ourselves and then walking through the idea that this is going to continue for a lifetime, the idea that I'm going to turn my will and my life over the care of God. But four through nine is where the real huge transformation happens. And I go to this meeting, and it's from another fellowship, but on the wall it says something that's so wonderful. It says transformation takes a long time. We need to depend continually on God's grace and power. And I was thinking to myself, I wrote that down in my big book a long time ago because it was so powerful for me. But, you know, when you think about what 4 through 9 does, you know, I didn't have a relationship with myself, with my higher power, or with you. And what 4 through 9 does is it finally gets me to a place where I no longer am the bottom of the barrel and I'm no longer better than anybody, I can just look at you eye to eye and say, yes, I have flaws. 
but I am a decent human being and I want to continue to be the person that God would have me be. And I have changed so vastly. I can't even, you wouldn't even know who I was 20 years ago. I am not joking. I am a different human being. But I want to say the other thing that I have in my book, and it says don't get so heavenly minded that you can't be humanly good. So I have to keep my feet firmly planted on the ground and continue to make living amends and be the person that God intends me to be as best I can. And I hope the newcomer will keep coming back. This is a beautiful program. It is a way of life that really does change us for the better. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. And who else would like to share on these steps four through nine? Okay, I heard Renata. Elizabeth N. Elizabeth N. Okay. Anybody else? Elizabeth F. Was there an Elizabeth F? F is in Frank? F is in Sam in Canada. Oh, Sam. Okay. All right. All right. Renata, Elizabeth N, and Elizabeth S, I think. So, Renata, you're up. Thank you, Monica. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata, recovered compulsive read in New York. Um, you know, uh, in step three, right, turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as I understood him. And the way, you know, when I finally took step three, I realized that the way I show this power, that I'm turning my will and my life over to it or to him, whatever, is I move forward with my step work. I work four through nine, which I've never done in the past. I would always, you know, make the conclusions, right? Make the decision in step three, but never move forward with action. I would never take action. You know, I was super, super scared of step four. I don't know why. I had this idea in my mind that, I don't know, something terrible was going to happen to me when I did step four. And, you know, the principle of step four is courage, you know, and... I did, you know, step four, and it was a long step four the first time around, and, like, it wasn't, it was not, like, a a tenth of, you know, what I thought it would be. Like, you know, being in the food is so much worse than taking this step work. And, uh, you know, in step four, I had to be, you know, open-minded to look at things in a different way you know now you know i had to be willing to to look at my my part in all the resentments the fears you know the sex conduct the harms i caused for others you know step five for me i had no problem admitting you know my flaws to another human being and to god what was really hard i think was to admit it to myself it was the block for me was, you know, admitting, like, taking an honest look that I had flaws, that I had caused harm, that I wasn't right all the time. And then, you know, step six for me was a big, big eye-opening. Like, the first time I went through the steps, I didn't really get it, you know? And then the second time around, step six changed everything for me. I finally realized that Yes, I cannot remove my own character defect, but I need to act 
differently. I need to strive for change. I need to strive for being the person that God would have me be. Just like with the food in step one, I am powerless over food. I cannot keep the food down on my own, on my own power. But it's my responsibility to put all my triggered substances down. And so the same thing with step six. I need to put my character defects down, you know, and then humbly ask God to remove them. And then God will remove them in his time frame. But I have to be willing to change. I need to be ready to change. I can't just go about my day every day doing the same things I've always done and expect, oh, but, well, God didn't change me. And, you know, in step nine, I was more than ready to make my amends because I did not want to be the person that I I realized I've been my entire life. And, of course, you know, a few amends, when it came time to it, were really difficult and, you know, scary. And But God was always there for me. God always gave me the strength, and the outcomes were much better than I could ever expect every time. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata. Elizabeth N., you're up. Hi, good morning. This is Elizabeth N. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I'm very new to the program. I can say that I have uh, about a month on it, uh, so I I consider myself still kind of a newcomer. But um, I've... um, I think I mean I've already done uh, like the first three steps. I I think I already uh, internalized the first three steps, and my experience with uh, going to the fourth step is actually different than the one that Renata had. I am actually very thrilled uh, to start uh, digging up because uh, in my in my behaviors and. I really want to reinvent myself, and uh, I know that you know the the higher power has worked for me with the food. That uh, it's one of what I consider before it's it's a really big problem. So if it has worked for me on the third step, it might work for me also on the sixth step. Um, and I'm I'm really so looking forward for that. Um, I I found a sponsor and I am going to start working the fourth step uh, very soon. So I I don't know. I think it's I just wanted to share that. Thank you all. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Elizabeth N. And Elizabeth S. You're up. Well, good morning, Vision, for you. Uh, my name is Elizabeth S., and I am a recovering compulsive reader in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And I'm very grateful to AA for of these books that we're studying and for outlining the steps, because the way I was living before I was dying slowly, um, every binge led to more self-hatred, through this program, especially steps four through nine, I'm getting a new way of living. It's that the door is open. I feel like I'm in a, a different world. I'm cleaning up wreckage from the past. 
I'm gaining strength to look at myself and face, yes, I am very self-centered and very selfish, and I want to be in control, but I have to give up that control and also realize the freedom in being um, admitting to others what I've done that's wrong. There's a freedom with that. It's like no more secrets. I can look the world in the eye. I'm, I've got a, a, a zest for living I, I didn't have before. Um, people were afraid of me. I was destructive. I had angry outbursts. I was not a, an easy person to live with. And now I'm, I'm feeling like the same person, but I'm feeling at a different level. And I'm very, very grateful for the steps giving us direction and giving us, okay, do this. Uh, searching fearless moral inventory. Okay, now admit it to yourself and others, and to, to God and yourself and others, and and outlining exactly what's next. Okay, now your list of this, that, and then now go see. Now make your list of your people. Go see them, and it's all couched in a relationship with a sponsor and a relationship with God. And apart from that, um, this program this program is so different from other things that because apart from those relationships. We don't, um, we won't be able to do it in our own self-will because our own self-will got us in our own big mess. What's that path? Thank you, Elizabeth S. And we have time for probably one more share. Alice M. Alice M. Go ahead. Good morning. This is Alice M. from Florida, a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic. And all right, so here are the steps we took, which are suggested and. Um, Thank you, Bill, and thank you both in the beginning, um, that core team of four who um, worked on the manuscript, for using that word suggested because then later on in writing, Bill saying that what he what he meant, you know, by that was use the steps as a template. You know, if you're agnostic, if you're atheist, if you're Buddhist, Mohammedan, whatever, Wiccan, pagan, you know, um, embrace your own belief. And and um, and work this around, work the semantics, the wording of this around, so that it can have meaning for you. And remember that it's the principles behind the steps. It's not the the words that we need to cling to. And I um, I I've been doing some. I got to go to a um, hear a historian on the big book the other day on the original manuscript, and it's just fascinating. So. Here was this manuscript where everything was written in the prescriptive language, like you must do this, you have to do this, you know, do this, you have to. That's how it was all first written. And then four of them got together and um, reworked it, reworded it, so that there was a Dr. Howard that said, you know, we need to, there's too much, the word God is limiting. It's limiting. It's going to keep people out. And we need to change it um, to a more, descriptive language it's why now they have it all those you must were changed to we did like this is what we did um that's a lot more palatable to an alcoholic rather than being told what to do you know this is what we did this is what i did and i try to remember that when i'm working with people also to keep it in this is just my experience um and so um i i love having that freedom um but you know to to be able to identify in. So how do I identify in with these as an as an atheist um, and work this program? And I am I am recovered today. And um, I look at um, 
you know, step five, it says admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrong. Well, to some, some of us, you know, that's not, that's, those aren't workable words. So, um, you know, with the liberty that Bill says use, it changes for for me to um, admitted without reservation to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Boom. Same principle, same action, just different wording. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Well, if you're one who doesn't believe in an interventionist deity, which um, I don't, that's my choice, then for me it becomes we're entirely ready to accept help in letting go of all our character, all our defects of character. And then seven, humbly ask him. Again, I don't, I don't have a belief system where it's, you know, it's a him, it's a pronoun. Um, you know, I believe in, you know, the fellowship and humanity and the good stuff I'm brought up with. So step seven for me and for others who are along that same um, belief is with humility and openness sought to eliminate our shortcomings. So boom, same principle, just a different way of, of wording it. And I'm so glad that there's that, that word suggested was put in there because it's not, it, we're not being told to do it this way. Um being told to have our experience time and I thank you I pass thank you very much and with that we have come to the end of our time so quickly here this morning thank you to everyone who has shared we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 followed by the serenity prayer and Deanna B could you read for us please from a vision for you our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Monica. <clears throat> Thank you for your service. Uh, my name is Deanna B. Currently, I'm in Arizona. Uh, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.